This is Novel Marketing. I'm James L. Rubart. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. I'm Angela Hunt. And this is the show for novelists who hate marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. And today we are joined by a very special guest, Angela Hunt, who is the best-selling author of the book uh, Three Trees, which has sold... One million copies, actually more than that, but I just wanted to say that. But she's written <laughs> over 130 books, and she's a New York Times bestselling author with uh, more books uh, printed than the population of most cities. <laughs> so uh, thank you for joining us on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me. This is fun. So we wanted to talk a little bit about, about your journey. How did you go mm-hmm. from unpublished author to having sold millions and millions of copies? Because a lot of people look at really successful authors and they're like they were born with a million sales already they were born kind of on the uh, bestsellers and it doesn't start that way no P- people start as just a normal person and they have to walk this journey you know this hero's journey this writer's journey so mm-hmm. kind of walk us through how did you get started um well yeah people always ask did you always want to be a writer and of course the answer for me was no never <laughs> even crossed my mind because i was born into a family where my grandmom sang, my mother sang, I sing, and everybody assumed I was going to be musical. So all my growing up years were filled with voice lessons, piano lessons, choir, band, anything that had a tune in Music, it I was yeah. associated with. And I did travel uh, professionally for a year and sing. And then when it came time to come off the road, my director said, um, Angie, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I guess I'll go back to school and finish my music degree, which I'd started. And he said, you know, you have a way with words. You ought to think about writing something. And because I believe God speaks to us through our spiritual authorities, and he was my spiritual authority that year, I said, okay. So I went back to school, changed my major to English, and graduated two years later with a degree in English and still really had no clue what I was going to do with it. I thought I might like go to churches and write a program and then stay and direct it, choreograph it and that kind of thing. And um, taught school right after graduation because school was desperate. They'd fired a teacher into the beginning of the school year. (laughs) And then I worked um, writing church curriculum for a year and realized, no, that wasn't my calling either. And then uh, was a secretary for a year uh, to a man you may have heard of named Cal Thomas. But he right. wasn't a famous columnist then. He just, you know, was a He guy. was just Cal. He was Cal. <laughs> but it's amazing because I can see how God used everything I did that wasn't my, quote, end game, but it was instrumental. I learned really valuable things. So finally, I decided that if I was ever going to be a writer, I just needed to be one. So I had business cards printed up that said Angela Hunt, freelance writer, and I thought, who buys writing? Advertising agencies do. (laughs) So I sent these cards to all the advertising agencies in town and was pleasantly surprised when this man called me and he said, come down to my office uh, and bring your portfolio. I said, yes, sir, (laughs) I will. So I went to the office supply store and was walking down the aisle with the notebooks and I saw one that said portfolio and I went bingo that's what I need. So I bought that and some plastic page protectors to put in it and it really did look silly kind of empty. So I printed out my resume that had all the singing and teaching and all that stuff on it. And so I went in to see him. I knocked on his office door and he said come in and I said thank you and I had read a book by the way on uh, how to dress for success so I was dressed, you know, very successfully and and um, I slid my portfolio across the desk and he opened it and he said, why, this is empty. And I said, I know, it's new. <laughs> and um, 
He uh, laughed, just like you're laughing. And he said, I tell you what, he said, we have a client. It's the Bokova Catalog Company. They make those fiberglass mailboxes with mallard ducks on them. And uh, he said, here's last year's catalog. Here's this year's new product line. Uh, see if you can write this copy. And I said, yes, sir. I said, and if you don't like it, you won't have to pay me. And he said, don't worry, I won't. <laughs> and so really... You were in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> that was really a no-brainer job because, I mean, you know, you have last year's catalog to model after. So it was really simple. Um, and so I started getting little jobs. I mean, and if I didn't know how to write it, I would run to the library and get a book on how to write radio copy, how to write... Um, please pay your bills letter, how to write uh, a personality profile. And, and I just want to pause you right there because that is a great takeaway. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, you don't know how to do something, so you go to the library and you look it up. Or nowadays, you do a Google search <laughs> sure. and you find you find the answer because a lot of people just stay stuck. They're like, oh, I don't know how to do that. And so oh, they give sure. up. It's like, don't let, you know, no one knows how to do it at first. You know, like with learning a musical instrument, it takes time. It takes Absolutely. practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think most people think that because they passed high school English, they have the qualifications to be a writer. But professional writing is nothing at all like what you learned in high school. Well, see, that that is so important. That's one of the things I keep harping on when I teach at conferences is we've been writing since second grade, third mm-hmm. grade. So mm-hmm. I know how to write. Mm-hmm. And we never take the time to realize, no, writing is a profession mm-hmm. which takes the time and attention that any other profession would it's take. The, it's the difference between learning to run which most people do when they're two or three years old and learning to run track yes you know it's like it's the exact same thing and yet it's completely different it's a whole different discipline and to be good at running track you know to get to the olympics which is essentially what becoming a best-selling author is you've got to work really really hard Mm -hmm. i'm going to tell a quick anecdote that thomas and angela i'm sure have heard many times but maybe you haven't and it's the story of the author and the brain surgeon who decided to go golfing one Mm -hmm. spring And on the third tee, the brain surgeon says to his author friend, you're not going to believe what I'm going to do this summer. I'm going to take a sabbatical. Six weeks off, I'm going to write a book. (laughs) And the author says, unbelievable coincidence. I'm taking six weeks off this summer, and I'm going to become a brain surgeon. (laughs) But that's what it's like, right? It is like. People assume that because they passed high school, they can do it. But I really believe, though, that writing is like uh, being a builder. And if you know how to use the tools, a saw and a T-square and a jigsaw and all those things carpenters use. I'm not one. I'm not real sure. But you can build anything from a doghouse to a Victorian mansion. The same thing if as a writer, you learn how to construct an effective sentence, an effective paragraph. And then if you learn the blueprints of every genre, because they do have them. For instance, um, after five years of writing this, that, and the other, little things while my little babies took naps, I read about a contest in the back of Writer's Digest magazine. It was for unpublished picture book writers. And I thought, well, I'm an unpublished any kind of book writer. So I ran to the library and got a book on how to write children's picture books. And I learned that they are always 32 pages, that they have very few adjectives or adverbs because the pictures uh, do the work of describing, that they are usually a thousand words or less, and they should be almost have a poetic quality. So I said, okay, I internalized all that, sat down in about 20 minutes, wrote up a story, um, sent it in, and it won first place. And so suddenly I was a published writer, and I was like, oh my goodness, what's happening, Lord? So um, 
that's how I got started and just moved from genre to genre and sort of grew as doors opened. And it sounds like it's uh, just like that. I won. But in reality, you had been doing the practice in your day job for five years. And and copywriting is, in my opinion, the most difficult form of writing Mm -hmm. because it's so measurable. Like mm-hmm. you can measure the success of copywriting with dollars. Yes. You know? And so it, the competition and the challenge is so high that if you learn in that field, you know, the plain grassy field of children's books, which is, you know, still pretty cutthroat, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but you you did the work ahead of time. Well, mm-hmm. and, and even copywriting, because I've done, that's been my profession since 94, is you have to learn to write tight because you've got 30 uh-huh. seconds for that TV or radio ad. So it's learning the techniques of making every word count. Mm-hmm. So... Let's go back to the story. So you win the contest. Uh-huh. And so then tell us a little bit about how you first got published. Was getting that manuscript published part of the victory of the contest? Or yes. did that come later? First prize was, I think, $1,500, which felt like a fortune, and publication. And um, so this company that sponsored the contest was establishing a new line. It was like Christian books for secular people. And so they weren't overtly Christian, but they had Christian themes and messages. So I did the first one. I wrote a second one, and it went all the way to galley stage. And then the publishing company decided to axe the line. Mm. So rather quickly, I realized the realities of the publishing business. Sometimes you do all the work, and that's it. And uh, I've seen that happen with many publishers many times over, and that's just the business, the way that businesses operate. But I did then picture books for several years, did about a dozen of them. And then my husband is a middle school pastor, so I looked around at the kids mm-hmm. and I thought, hmm, half, three quarters of our kids were from broken homes. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a book called Mom and Dad Don't Live Together Anymore about helping them cope with their feelings and loss and grief. And then I wrote books on sex and dating. And then I wrote a book for parents about surviving the teenage years. So your books kind of grew up. You started off as children and like they got a little bit older, more mature. (laughs) They grew with my kids. There you go. Yeah. And uh, then I thought, well, kids this age love novels because I read Nancy Drew voraciously. So I wrote some mysteries for that age group and then some kind of growing up books for that age group and then some historicals for that age group. And finally, my editor said, why don't you try adult novels? And I went... Okay, so um, I started writing adult novels. So really, I have never like had this great American dream to write the great novel. To me, it's always been just about being obedient mm-hmm. and walking through the doors that open. Just very simple. So to get to 130 books written and published, that's more than one book a year. Oh yeah. <laughs> so 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 let's walk let's walk through that because this is one thing I've noticed with successful authors. You know, we get to work with a lot of authors with author media, and one of the most important things is being able to break through those psychological barriers to get stuff out quickly. Because mm-hmm. some authors, it's just so difficult internally with their emotions that it's a couple of years between books, and they're just always hungry because it's re- you know you're only making one book every other year. You know, how do you live in that in between year? And that's sure. assuming that one book is a runaway success. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit about you know how many books a year do you write, and how do you how do you manage that? Well, it really depends on what kind of book it is because children's books are very short. So I could turn out one of those at least one a month, maybe. Um, and there were some years when I, I think one year I had 11 books come out. Wow. But it was a combination of books for adults, books for kids. It was a big mm. combo. But um, to me, the act of writing is just like eating. I don't have to convince myself to eat. I love to eat because I get hungry. <laughs> and um, I love to sit down and go to work because I have to pay the bills. And I remember at one conference, a man in the back, I think I really burst his bubble, because he raised his hand and he said, 
what inspires you to write? And I said, the mortgage. (laughs) The mortgage. Every time I think I have writer's block, I just pull out my stack of bills. Absolutely, because, you know, Christian dentists do their work diligently as unto the Lord. And uh, I think being a Christian writer is no greater, no less, no anything than than anybody who goes off to work every morning. But you did say something important, and that is you you enjoy your work. You enjoy this job. And Mm -hmm. I I have writers come up to me sometimes and go, and it's a famous quote, and and they're quoting this quote when they say, I love to have finished writing. I don't like to write. And it's like, oh, how painful. I mean, there Mm -hmm. are times when I have deadlines, and believe me, I don't want to sit down at the keyboard, but I do. Mm -hmm. But overall, I feel like I'm at the center of God's will for me when I'm writing. Mm-hmm. I love it. I do mm-hmm. enjoy it. So I love hearing you say that. Yeah. Well, I do love it and I don't love it. <laughs> I mean, it's hard work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and so there are days when sitting down and first drafting to me is like pulling teeth. Oh, me, me too. Uh, me too. Yeah, just too. getting the, the lump on the table is the hard part. Fashioning the lump is, is much easier See, than the, yeah, getting it out That's the kind there. of writer I am. Yeah. Some authors are just the opposite. They yeah. love the first draft, Ooh. and ed- editing for them is just is just torture. So we're almost out of time. I want to get to kind of the um, highlight of the story, which is your first book to sell over a million copies. So tell mm. us a little bit about getting to that point. Where, what number book was that in your career? I imagine it wasn't book number one. It wasn't number one, but it was probably maybe number three or four. Okay, so it happened very early. Yeah, it was The Tale of Three Trees. And you know, it's one of those things I absolutely cannot take credit for it because I didn't even invent the story. Uh, that story about three trees on a mountaintop, I'd heard it song in, sung in a song. I'd seen it... Um, I'd heard it read from the pulpit, um, lots of different variations. There was a mama tree and a daddy tree and all this stuff. It was stuff. kind of a folk tale. Yeah, it was. And, and I'd heard it and I thought, well, that does not exist in picture book form. So knowing that picture book is a certain genre, I followed all the rules and put it out as a picture book. And since then, there have been maybe 10 or 11 picture book versions of it. But I did make some crucial changes just to kind of make it unique to the way I told it. But it has gone international. It's in probably 25 different foreign languages and like Chinese and Russian. And, and I can honestly say God did it. It's just like when my novel The Note became a Hallmark movie. Mm-hmm. People always come up to me and say, how did you get that to be made into a movie? And I said, I did absolutely nothing. Somebody read it. They saw it. They sold it to Hallmark. It became a movie. I didn't even know it was going to be made into a movie until mm. about a month before it released. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. All right. So we're almost out of time. But uh, before we go, imagine I'm a brand new writer. I've just mm-hmm. This is my very first writer's conference. And I come up to you and I say, what advice do you have for me? Listen, take notes, and read, and read, and read. Grow older. Because <laughs> it's in growing older that you'll always find something to write about. Very good. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us on the show today. My pleasure. Uh, this episode of Novel Marketing has been brought to you by Author Media, makers of My Book Table. In fact, one of the very first authors we set My Book Table up on was Angela Hunt. She was our you are our test site uh, for the beta version of of the plugin, and it was on her site that we first had uh, books ranking outranking Amazon for that book on Google, which was a really exciting moment. So if you want a great way to sell your books on your website, I recommend that you check it out for free at mybooktable.com. And as always, if you have a question you would like us to explore or maybe a guest you'd like us to interview, let us know. 
um, you can go to novelmarketing.com or if you want to subscribe, you can go to iTunes. And we are accepting right now five-star reviews. So if you'd like to leave us <laughs> a five-star right. review on iTunes, we are now <laughs> accepting uh, those. So just go to iTunes and click uh, the uh, leave a review button. This has been the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between.